What's up? Thanks for listening to the Aaron J. Dodson podcast. This is the podcast where I discuss the sacred text of God's Word and subjects related to it, and I do my best to help myself and others understand it so that we might keep God's law and observe it with our whole hearts, and that's based on the principle of Psalm 119, verse 34. In this episode, I want to talk about Jesus and the church. And what I want to speak on specifically regarding Christ and the church pertains to things that people often say that are incorrect about Christ and the church. Recently, a loved one of mine uh, shared a meme that was accurate and true. It spoke of man-made religion with religious leaders, uh, well-known uh, through the 16, uh, 17, 18, and 1900s, up until about the early 1900s. It's just a meme that gets floated around. Nonetheless, it, 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 it does visually depict some of the mainstream religions uh, that are uh, based upon the teachings of men. And, of course, this precious family mirror of mine got a lot of... Uh, response and flack, you know, negative comments back and so forth. And I want to address some of those comments. So the idea of the original meme was man-made religion, and it had John Smith, Charles Parham, Joseph Smith, Charles Taze Russell, and William Miller, and little bits of information about each one under them, the religions for which they are known to have started. And there's a passage of Scripture, that Colossians 2, 8, that says, Beware lest anyone spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, not after Christ. <clears throat> so now that you have a little background, um, let me go into some of the comments, because this is really, whether or not you knew that background, I don't know that that was essential. But here's the common idea that I see. I, I just gave you that background to, to know what spurred me to want to do this podcast. But what I often uh, hear and see is the idea that Jesus said that the way to heaven is through him and not a church. This is the type of statement that is often made when people emphasize the doctrine that Jesus taught and the church that Jesus promised and the church that Jesus established and the salvation that's found in Christ and in the church. I would assume, I would uh, venture to say, to guess, that those who would, make, who would make such a statement that Jesus said the way to heaven is through him, not a church, would use John 14, 6 to prove that. Uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. To make the statement that Jesus said the way to heaven is through him, not a church, is a statement that's not normally a necessary statement. Um, it's true. Jesus didn't say that the way to go to heaven is through a church. He didn't, he didn't say that. He, he did say that the way to heaven is through him. But that does not mean that the church is not essential that does not mean that those who are saved are not in the church. They are. 
that does not mean that the body, which is the church, is not essential to the redemptive plan of God. But those who make that statement often argue that way by saying, Jesus said the way to heaven is through him, not a church. Well, yeah, it's not through a church. That, that's right. But sadly, most who say that statement do not know the difference between a church and the church. Now, I can't know everybody's hearts, but I know what I hear. And I know what most religious groups who profess to be Christians profess. They profess that a church is as good as another. I know that. They're all made up of good people, etc. Doesn't matter what church you go to, long as you believe in Jesus. Question, where does the Bible say that? It, it doesn't. Jesus is the way to heaven. But as my loved one responded with the, these words, he wrote, right, but his church is where all the saved are because they have been added to his church. And that's explicitly taught in the inspired word of God. Where? Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. You say, well, my translation doesn't say the church. It says their number. I use the ESV. I use the NIV. I use the New American Standard. Okay, if you keep reading all the way from Acts 3, it's a continued narrative. Acts 5, verse 1. Acts 5, verse 11, rather. So great fear came upon all the church and upon those all those who heard these things. That's the same church, the church in Jerusalem, the church that started as recorded in Acts 2. So whether or not your translation says their number or the church is a, a moot point. It's talking about the same group of people, the, the called out body of Christ, the church. That's what the word church means. Now this is not just some random occurrence or random reference in the book of Acts. The idea of the church and the concept of the church was spoken of explicitly by Jesus. I know people say, well, we can go back to the Old Testament. Okay, but I don't want to. I want to stick with Jesus right now. Jesus said during his ministry, I will build my church. Matthew 16 Verse 18. So, as my loved one continued in his comments, he said, Don't be deceived into thinking that you can be in Christ and not be in his church. You see, Christ promised to build his church and he died for his church 
according to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he, Christ, is the Savior of the body. He's the Savior of the body, singular, the body. So, God does not want people to be deceived into thinking that they can be in Christ, that they can be a Christian, that they can serve Christ and not be in His church. Someone might say, though, but in the Old Testament, that they live long before Jesus, and we're not talking about during that economy of things. We're talking about from the time of Christ forward. What did Messiah teach? He said, I will build my church. And people were added to it when the gospel was taught for the first time in its total fullness on the day of Pentecost, A.D. 30, approximately A.D. 30, in the city of Jerusalem. It's not correct to think that Jesus said the way to heaven was through him and not a church, and that means that the church is not necessary. If we come to Jesus through the knowledge of the Word of God, and we believe Jesus as we see Him, and as we read about Him in the Scriptures, and we obey what He has taught, we're added to the church that He promised to build, for which He died. Let's go back to Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Luke records that on the day of Pentecost, some, some 40 to 50 days, about 50 days after Passover when Jesus died, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Well, who was being saved? Follow with me chronologically backward in time or in the order of the verses to verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Well, why were they being baptized? Why? Because you know today people say, well, you can get baptized if you want to. You don't have to. It's good if you do, but you certainly don't have to to be forgiven or to become a Christian or to be forgiven and to be saved. Nothing like that. Well, why, why were they being baptized? You know, most people say, well, they were, they were getting baptized, uh, and people get baptized today because, you know, that's an outward sign of an inner grace. Folks, there's not a verse in Scripture that says that. And I challenge anyone listening to this podcast to find that passage in Scripture that says baptism is an outward sign of an inward grace. I challenge you. And when you found it, Find me on social media and send me the reference in a private message. I'd like to see it. Those who were gladly receiving the word were the baptized ones, Acts 2.41. Well, why were they being baptized? Because Peter, who was led by the Holy Spirit, according to Acts 2.4, said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Why, why did he tell them that? But because they asked the question, men and brethren, what shall we do? Verse 37. Well, why did they ask that question? Because they heard Peter preach 
that all the house of Israel needed to know without a shadow of a doubt that God had made that same Jesus whom they had crucified Lord, Master, and Christ, Messiah. What? Why did hearing that cause them to say, what shall we do? Because Peter had preached at the beginning of this sermon that what they were seeing on that day, the apostles preaching in languages that represented all the people that were gathered there from all over the world, Acts 2, <coughs> excuse me, verses 4 through 13, that what they were seeing and witnessing is what Joel said would come to pass. That in the last days, God would pour out of His Spirit and, and there would be signs and wonders and visions and dreams and, and, and it would come to pass that whoever called on the name of the Lord would be saved. That's Acts 2, verse 24. So when they hear the sermon about Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was attested by God, that means proved by demonstration, with miracles, power from God, wonders, that's the effect that it produced, signs, signs they were designed to demonstrate the, the divine nature of Jesus. And God did that through Jesus in their midst, and they, they knew it. They, they had seen it. And he talks to them about how God, his purpose was accomplished through them delivering Jesus up to be crucified. But God had raised him from the dead, verse 24. And he quotes Old Testament prophets and said, look, these prophets foreshadowed these things to come. And what you see now on this day, verse 33, is, is the promise of the Holy Spirit. You know, these, 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 these Galilean apostles preaching in languages they'd never studied. That's miraculous. It got your attention, didn't it? And that's exactly what tongues were for, 1 Corinthians 14, 22. Not to blub, 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 ecstatic noises. They were languages that were intelligible and human. Acts 2, verse 6. Everyone heard them speak in his own language, not ecstatic noise. And so when they heard the wonders of God through the gospel, and they realized when Peter said that God had made that Jesus whom they had crucified, Lord and Christ, they're like, what shall we do? And you know, so many people today, so many religious groups that profess to be Christians scream, there's nothing you have to do. You don't have to do anything. And then a few minutes later, now you need to believe. You got to believe. Well, which is it? You don't have to do anything or you have to believe. And some people, in an effort to defend their error, go so far as to say, well, you don't even have to believe. God does it for you. He grants it to you. What a mess. So God read the Bible for you too. So God walked to the church building for you. God God helped you seek out the opportunities to learn the truth of the Bible and all that too. It gets absolutely ludicrous. Here would have been the perfect time for all time. For Peter, who was guided by the Holy Spirit, according to Acts 2, verse 4, he's guided by the Holy Spirit. 
This would have been the perfect time for Peter to say, you're getting it all wrong. You don't have to do anything. It's already been done on the cross. How many times have you heard a, a so-called TV preacher or maybe the religious leader where you're a part of, how, how often have you ever heard somebody say, you don't have to do anything to be saved because Jesus did it all on the cross. Now you need to believe. Up, 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 up. You said you don't have to do anything. Jesus did it on the cross. Folks, there is something we must do. We must obey from the heart that form of doctrine, as did the Christians, as in Rome, Romans 6, 17, and 18. That's the same thing that 3,000 did on the day of Pentecost, as we call it, Acts 2 and following. Peter said, when they asked, what shall we do? Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, etc., etc. Verse 41. The gladly receiving ones were the baptized ones. You didn't gladly receive salvation, get saved, and then get baptized. No. You gladly received it by being baptized. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. So what if you weren't baptized on that day? Well, you didn't gladly receive it. You can't say, well, yeah, I gladly received it. I'll get baptized later. And no, it didn't work that way. That, that, that's who gladly received it, the ones that got baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And the Lord continued to add people to the church, Acts 2, 47, Daily, those who are being saved. So they, did, they didn't join a church. They didn't join a church. They were added to the church. Well, which one? The church. Okay, that sounds neat, somebody says. But there's millions of churches today. Yeah, but dear listener, this was 2,000 years ago. The gospel's pre-denominational. Before any denomination today ever existed. What makes a denomination a denomination? You know, people say, well, the church you're a part of, that's a denomination. Am I a member of a denomination because someone else says that I'm a denomination? No. What makes a denomination a denomination? Well, we understand the idea of denomination and denominating money and all this kind of stuff. We understand that, I think. <clears throat> what makes a denomination a denomination is the doctrine that it teaches. That they believe, that they teach, that they practice. The teachings that we believe, that we practice and teach, must be what the Scriptures teach. And that requires continued study. I recognize that. But if we do what they did then, Acts 2, and other places in the book of Acts, 
how will we not be what they were then? Acts 11.26 says they were Christians. They, they, they weren't a denomination. They were, in the purest sense, Christians. 2,000 years removed from denominationalism. You know, 600 years removed from the first universal bishop that became the AKA Pope, Pope Boniface III. Okay? We're, we're talking about hundreds of years before that. Pre denominational Christianity. First century, Jerusalem, not, not Antioch, not Assyria, not Rome. Jerusalem, right here, Acts 2. And the same teaching they taught continues through the book of Acts in other places, Antioch, Syria, and other places. Connected directly to the idea that I have started with, that, that Jesus said the way to heaven is through him, not a church. That's something that people often say to insinuate that the church is not necessary, to insinuate that the saved are not in the church, that they're diametrically opposed and this kind of thing. It's connected to that is this idea. One, one person asks in the, in the comments, where in the Bible does it say you have to belong to his church to reach heaven? Let's pause there. It doesn't have to say that. Because it says that God added to the church daily those who are being saved. That concept is still true if we obey the same message they obeyed. Now, if we teach a different doctrine and obey a different doctrine than they obeyed, we're not going to be added to the church. If I come along and say, no, you don't have to repent and be baptized for the remission of sin. No, you don't have to do that. You just say the sinner's prayer. You, you know, you just put your hand on your Bible, bow your head, touch the radio dial, feel it in your heart, let Jesus in your heart, and all these kinds of ideas that, folks, those things are not found in the Scriptures. If I change it, if, I, if it's something different than Acts 2.37 and 38, if it's something different than what I see repeatedly recorded throughout the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8, verse 12. When they heard Philip and believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Didn't say they said the sinner's prayer. They were baptized right then and there. They didn't say the sinner's prayer. Acts chapter 9, Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus, when he heard the message from Ananias, Acts twenty two sixteen. Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. He arose and was baptized. Acts nine eighteen doesn't say he said the sinner's prayer. Ananias didn't say have faith only, and 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 on and on. I think we could continue through with this throughout the book of Acts. We see a continued pattern of the gospel being taught, people believing it repenting of their sins and being baptized into Christ. And so the same thing of them would be true as was true of the people on Pentecost, that the Lord would be adding them to the church, not to a denomination, but to the church. So, so, so the, the gospel only makes Christians only, and incidentally, the only Christians. 
So where in the Bible does it say, again, back to the comments, the question was asked, this question was asked of my loved one, not by my loved one, but was asked of my family member. Where in the Bible does it say you have to belong to his church to reach heaven? It doesn't say that explicitly just like that. It's not necessary because it says that the Lord added to the church. And that would be the church of Jesus, not the church of Satan, not, not the church of Aaron, not, not the church of Billy Bob or whoever, the church of Jesus, Jesus Christ, the church that belongs of Christ. Now, this next statement. So, so, so if the Lord adds to the church, and, and the church are, are those individuals that have obeyed the gospel, and the grace of God is upon them. And Ephesians 5 says that he is the Savior, that idea he's going to deliver them. He's the deliverer, the Savior of the body, the church. Ephesians 5, 23 then it is the people in the church that are, that are going to heaven. He's, the Lord's going to deliver them eternally when, when the last day comes. This statement was made, and this one's very common. If you believe in Him, that's Jesus, the denomination is irrelevant. My, my question to that individual would be, what verse says that? I'm not aware of a verse that says, you know, as long as you believe in Jesus, what you believe and practice as per church or denomination, that's irrelevant. You, you, you can go to a church that believes in whatever. It doesn't say that. The, the comment continues, quote, he said, he told his disciples to go out and spread his word. He didn't say, at least I haven't read it, to make sure they join his church. Paul's there. Again, this is just denominational nomenclature, denominational jargon, joining a church. You, d you don't read that in, in the New Testament about joining a church. Matter of fact, I'm going to take my trusty, rusty Esword. That's a free Bible program. And I'm going to do a word search of the New King James Bible. That's the translation that I use. <clears throat> it's a very mainstream translation. And, and type in the word joined. It's used 16 times. Marriage, marriage, marriage. Jesus ministry, Jesus ministry, Jesus personal ministry on earth. Joined, joined, 16. Not one of them is speaking of, of, of a sinner becoming a Christian by joining Jesus' church or, sadly, as this person thinks, any kind of denomination. It, no, it, it, that's not. That's, the Scriptures are silent of that. So again, the guy says, he, he didn't say to make sure they join his church. But again, he, he, there's no joining. I'm not saying joining. I, my loved one's not saying joining. The scriptures are not saying joining. It's, it, it's, it's if you teach the scriptures to someone so that they can be saved the way that the people then were saved by the one gospel, 
they'll be added to the one church that Jesus built. Jesus said, I'll, I will build my church. You see it come into existence on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. And from that day forward, you see people being added to it. Je- Jesus didn't need to tell people, join a church. He, he says, obey the gospel and you'll be added to the church. Another statement in this same post, this same comment, says what people practice in various denominations should have no bearing on receiving Christ and going to heaven uh, unless a practice says no one will get into heaven except through their church. Let me pause there. But, what, but again, there's just one thing I noticed about this whole comment. There's just no scriptures given. The, the previous scriptures, uh, excuse me, comments had multiple scriptures given uh, by my loved one. Uh, this individual is not, uh, he, not even giving any Bible references. He's just speaking as though he's the authority. What people practice in various denominations should have no bearing on receiving Christ. Says who? Says you? Unless a practice says no one will uh, get into heaven except through their church. What verse says that? that? That's your opinion, sir. And sadly, so many people, they think the same way. Folks, what we practice as, 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 in, as people is, is important. It is. What those professing to be servants of Jesus Christ practice is important. Colossians chapter 3 verse 17 says to the church, not a denomination incidentally, but to the church of Jesus, individuals in Christ. Colossians chapter 1 verse 2, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae. Chapter 3, verse 17, they were commanded by an apostle of Jesus Christ. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It, it, it does matter what you practice. You can't say, well, it doesn't matter what you practice. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches the opposite. It does matter what you practice. You're to practice all that you do in the name of the Lord Jesus. And that doesn't mean that you, you merely, it's not an oral proclamation. You, you, you know, you don't just merely do something and say, I'm doing it in the name of the Lord, so that means it's in the name of the Lord. We understand it, folks. We understand. Here's a, here's a Bible example, Acts chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. When Peter and John are preaching, they are arrested, and they are asked, by what power or in what power, or by or in what name have you done this, this, this healing? Acts chapter 3, the lame man. Peter's response was, verse 10, Let it be known to you, to you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man stands here before you whole. It's by the name of Jesus. So, so you mean it was Peter and John went by and just said, Jesus, they just said the name and that meant that... that no, it, 
surely, yeah, they did. They did say the name of Jesus because Acts chapter three verse six says they said in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. But Peter is saying to the rulers, as recorded in Acts chapter four, that it was it wasn't merely them saying that; it was them doing it by his authority, and it was the power and authority of Christ that healed the lame man. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That means by the authority of Christ. So again, that's not that's not an oral formula. That's 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 what they do. That's by whom instruction they by whose instruction they live. Well, I'll get my English in a minute. <laughs> it's the authority that they followed. So what people practice does matter. The church is commanded to practice everything according to the teachings of Jesus Christ, according to his name, according to his authority, and to give thanks. And there are a number of other passages that teach that concept. One is enough. Here's another common misunderstanding. When people emphasize, people like me and others, that Jesus said, I will build my church, Matthew 16, 18, not churches, so to emphasize Jesus promised to build his one church. Incidentally, Paul believed in the one church. He didn't believe in denominationalism. He wrote there is one body, Ephesians 4, 4. One. There's my challenge to anyone listening that believes otherwise. Find me a verse in its context where Christ or one of the apostles said denominationalism is okay, it's good, it's pleasing. It's not. When Christ came, Judaism was divided into four or five camps. And with which group did Jesus align himself? Not a one. Instead, he said, every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Matthew fifteen thirteen. 13. Oh, I got ahead of myself. But there's one. It's, it's not a, a nutty idea to say there's one church. The, the, the scriptures say it. Jesus taught it. Paul, the apostle, an eyewitness of Jesus Christ, wrote it by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, 4. And we know that the body is the church, according to the same writer, the same letter to the same church, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. So, I surely wish to help others understand that if I'm teaching that one church and others are too and we're pointing to that one and it's Jesus's to which we're pointing in the scriptures not not a building not not a modern day building that then, then it's not my church Like, it's a fact. Jesus promised to build his church. He purchased his church in his death, and he planted it and built it. It was there, Acts 2, Jerusalem. And then it went to the uttermost parts of the world. That's a fact. That's incontrovertible. It's Jesus' church. And Jesus' church is built not by a building, not by bricks and mortar, but by the seed which Luke wrote is the word of God, Luke eight eleven. 
So wherever the seed is and wherever the seed goes and wherever the seed is planted and wherever it grows and wherever it, you see, it's the same church. It's not mine. It's Jesus'. Well, the same individual later says, I believe someone that has been a sinner all their life can be saved in an instant without the help of anyone or any church if they accept Jesus as their Savior. Don't you? Why do you believe that, sir? Anyone hearing? Anyone listening? If if it's not because you have a book, chapter, and verse that says that, that teaches that explicitly or implicitly, then, then sir, ma'am, that's just, that's just wishful thinking. It's just hot air. It's something outside the gospel. Yeah, Christ is the Savior, not me, not the church. That's That's obvious. Inherent in the name Jesus means Savior. But those that are saved by Jesus are added to His body, the church. Acts 2.47. And there are a lot of other passages that teach that, but one is enough. This individual and a lot of others believe that, well, Anybody can be saved who accepts Jesus as their Savior. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says to test all things, to hold fast what is good. We're not to accept error. 1 John 4.1, test the spirits, whether they are of God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, let me grab it, Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Okay, I'm going to beware of everything. I'm going to test everything. Sir, dear listener, what verse says to accept Jesus as your Savior? And that's all you got to do. Where, where does it say that? It, it, it doesn't say that. The Scriptures are clear, but we have to we have to dig into the scriptures to read them. We can't accept these um, platitudes, these 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 slogans, these phrases that are heard on the radio, the internet, and on videos and on TV. The so-called TV evangelists accept Jesus, accept Jesus as your Savior, and all this kind of stuff, it, folks. That kind of language is not used in Scripture the way that it's used in Christendom today, denominationalism. It's not there. Looking up a passage. Colossians 2.6 says, As you therefore have received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Had the Christians at Colossae received Christ? Yes. 
did they receive Christ by saying a prayer or having faith only or just quote unquote letting him into their heart like he's like floating in the air and coming into your heart and you're going to accept what it says in the Bible and because you my question is test all things where what verse says that in Colossians or another it doesn't but did you know that within the letter of Colossians chapter 2 they were reminded and taught about what they had done to become Christians. And, and, and contrary to popular belief, the, the gospel say, says these individuals were ones, Colossians 2.12, who had been buried with Christ in baptism in, in which they were raised with Him through faith in the working of God. Don't, don't tell me that getting baptized is working your way to heaven. This passage says it's the work of God. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a bit weary with hearing ad nauseum the arguments that to get baptized according to the teachings of the Spirit, according to the sayings of Jesus, according to the apostles, according to Mark 16, 16, according to Acts 22, 16, according to Acts 2, 38, according to Romans 6, 3, and 4, according to the whole book of Acts, is to work your way to heaven. I'm, I'm getting a bit weary with that lie from Satan because this verse says it's the work of God. It's not the work of man who raised him from the dead. So if I ask the question, you know, of this letter, Colossians, it was written to people, Christian people, people, according to chapter 1, verse 2, they were in Christ, verse 2, in Christ. How had they received Christ? How did they get into Christ? Well, well, part of that was they were baptized into Christ. Obviously, their faith, their trust, the repent their penitent heart towards sin, but also their baptism into Christ in the work of God. When God worked on them and 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 redeemed them, He washed away their sins, as Ananias said, Acts twenty two sixteen. So there's there's none of this receiving Jesus through faith only and and saying a prayer and. All that is just the common vernacular of modern-day denominationalism. And folks need to hear that. They need to hear that. The same person continues in their comments. When Jesus said He would build His church on Peter, He meant the Christian movement. Sir, I would ask for what textual proof by what textual proof do you make that statement? I'd like to, well, this is one-sided, it's just me. Let me be more, let me be more one-sided. But, but this individual writes, when Jesus said he would build his church on Peter, he meant the Christian movement, not the church of Christ. I, I'm not advocating, and I, I don't think my loved one either is advocating that that Jesus said he would build his church on Peter. He, 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 said, he said he would build it on the rock. Matthew 16, 18. That can't be Peter because, because the Bible doesn't contradict itself. 
You say, what? But it says that in Matthew 16 and 18. Jesus said, and I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. Doesn't that mean that Jesus built the church on Peter? No, it can't because that would be a Bible contradiction. The idea, the false idea, that Peter is the foundation of the church, that would be a, that would be a Bible contradiction because the apostle of 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 the apostle of the apostle of Christ, the apostle Paul, who was an eyewitness of Jesus Christ, he 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 wrote he wrote that there is one foundation. Colossians three eleven. He he wrote that that no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. wasn't wasn't Peter. So what is Jesus saying? Peter, you're a rock. Your name means Petra, a small pebble, a small stone. And on this rock, what rock? The rock of what he just said. Jesus. What had he just said? He had just said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the rock, not Peter, folks. It's a sad day. That people think, and when people think that Peter's the rock upon which Jesus built the church, a sinful man like Peter? No, he built the church upon himself, upon his own sinless life, his death, his, his burial and resurrection. Not Peter. The word translated rock, upon this rock, is a different Greek word than the Greek word translated Peter, and I find that interesting. So he's not referring to the same thing upon which he built his church. The word translated rock is a word that means large mass rock. Bigger than a stone, which was Peter's name. This individual wrote, When Jesus said he would build his church on Peter, he meant the Christian movement, not the church of Christ. And I was referring to the church you attend, he said. Folks, The Church of Christ. No matter what anybody thinks, says, or does, or feels, there's only one truth. It's Christ. John fourteen six, and His Word. John seventeen seventeen. And. And you know, it, it's not about what people claim to belong to. It's about Christ and the church that He built. It's the truth that He taught. We're not proclaiming to know more about the teachings of the Bible because of the religious group that we belong to. Although we do believe we belong to the religious group of Christ, to, to, to that which Jesus adds the saved to. You say, why? How, how do you know that? But because, folks, we can know from Scripture the truth. 
And we can believe that truth and we can obey that truth. And if we belong to what's recorded in the scriptures, I contend we, we don't belong to a denomination. I, I don't. A denomination would be like a, a split-off, a, a shoot-off, instead of the whole. What was originally planted? Well, how can I get what was originally planted? I live 2,000 remu- years removed from when the church was first established. I can believe. I can obey. I can teach and plant the same seed. And I think that's the, the root of the issue here is the seed. What does the seed say? The Word of God. The, remember, Luke at 11, the seed is the Word of God. What does the seed say about Jesus, about baptism, about the church? Well, my first suggestion is don't read a commentary. Don't get on the Internet and look up the church of Christ. Don't get up and look up the word denomination. Don't get up and go call a religious leader. You say, well, Aaron, aren't you a religious leader? Aren't you some kind of da-da-da? Okay. But don't believe it because I said it. Consider what I'm saying and, and see where it leads you. Just read it from the text. Go through and read the text. Go through and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the book of Acts. Notice, take note of how Jesus gave specific final instructions to the apostles to go sow that seed, as was mentioned earlier in the podcast. And even by the person who made some of these comments on my loved one's uh, original post here. Go back and read the instructions that Jesus gave and how he told them to spread the gospel and what the conditions were. Jesus Christ promised whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Mark 16, 16. I mean, that that settles it. That's not the only important verse in the Bible. But you're going to look through the rest of of the book of Acts to learn how they went and preached the gospel to every creature. Same chapter, Mark 16, verse 15. And each place where Paul and others go they're going to teach the same message and the people are going to obey it the same way you don't have some people over here repenting and believing some people over here uh, you know getting baptized and believing some faith only over here uh, some some over here starting a denomination called this that does that and no, it, they practice the same thing the same fundamental truths yeah, they, they had a lot of differing opinions. But when it came to faith and repentance, baptism, Christ, His Lordship, His Saviorship, the church of Jesus Christ, even worship, you see a constant repeating, reoccurring theme and pattern throughout the New Testament books. And here's what I believe. I believe that if someone has stayed this long with me, they're actually interested. I'm going to hope and pray. And that they would 
just read for themselves those scriptures. Leave leave out leave out the denominational leaders, you know, leave out the commentaries, leave out the Google searches and just read those books, learn what Jesus required in say Matthew twenty eight, eighteen through twenty, and Mark sixteen, fifteen and sixteen, Luke twenty four, you know, forty six through forty eight. Look at Acts chapter two and the rest of the book of Acts and how people receive that message. Just just read it, look at it. It it stands to reason that if we do the same thing they did then, we will be what they were then, Christians. Acts eleven twenty six. Not 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 anything else. Nothing more. Nothing not not a hyphenated Christian. You know, well, I'm I'm an Anglican Christian. I'm a Baptist Christian. I'm a, you know, I'm a I'm a a, a denominational Christian. I'm a, a Episcopal Christian. I'm a a feather like Christian. I'm you know on a, I'm a a Mormon Christian. I'm a, a Church of God Christian. I'm a on and on the list goes. When we understand how you know words are used and when they're understood from Scripture and they're used properly, then I also believe that someone will appreciate the description, the church of Christ. I don't, I don't say that or use that in a denominational way. Like, like I'm part of you know, a denomination that calls themselves the church of Christ. And you need to be a member of that to go to heaven. I don't. I don't believe that, and I don't teach that. <clears throat> Instead, I would point to scriptures like the churches of Christ in Rome. Paul wrote, "Salute you." They salute you. the 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 current The churches throughout the churches where I am, they salute you in Rome, etc. Romans sixteen sixteen. I think would be the way we'd understand that. From where I'm writing, they salute you where you are, or you greet them, and that kind of thing. Been a minute since I've looked at it. Maybe I ought to go look at look at it. Wouldn't hurt, would it? Romans sixteen sixteen. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. You see, it's just a. It's just a description. It's not a name. The name of the church is a description of the church. The church of possessive that belongs to Christ. Kind of like the house of Aaron, the car of Aaron, the wife of Aaron. Those things, those people belong to me. They're my, they're my possession, if you will. That, that's the way I use the phrase, the church of Christ. I don't use it like some kind of denominational outfit. <clears throat> and I know there are others that believe the same thing I just said. Bottom line, I know it's biblical, Romans 16, 16, and, and the fact that the word church and Christ and of are concepts that are all taught in Scripture. Jesus is the Son of God. He established His church. The saved are added to the church. All the letters were written, nearly all of them, to Christians, people in Christ. Well, people in Christ are in the body. Well, the, the body's the church. It's sad that Satan has sold the, the, the poison, the lie, that a person can be saved, quote-unquote, without the church. No, they're, no. No, because Scripture says, the authoritative Word of God says, that the saved are added to the church. You, people don't join it. You don't need to join it. There's nothing to join. 
when you obey the gospel, the doctrine from the heart, Romans 6, 17, and 18. I'd like to go there, but I don't want to. I'll just lengthen this longer and longer. The Lord adds you to the church, Acts 2, 47. That's what you see in all the letters. That's what you see in all the letters. I can go through all the letters. Maybe I'll do that another time. Romans 1, you know, this letter was written to those that are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. These are people that are set apart by God. They're Christians. Who is it written to? These Christians in Rome, to the, to the church at Rome. And, and 1 Corinthians is the same thing. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2. This letter was written to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. So those are people in Christ. There are two verses of which I am aware that teach how an individual by faith can enter into Christ. That is, by faith, they're baptized into Christ. Romans 6, 3 and 4, Galatians uh, 3, 26 and 27. If you stay this long, then um, I hope and pray. Father in heaven, I pray that you will bless those that have stayed this lengthy podcast episode with me. And that they and I, myself as well, can come to an understanding and knowledge of your word and and, 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 and and that we will test all things. That's my prayer in Jesus' name. <clears throat> well, those are just some things that that been on my mind recently. And I hope that if you benefited from this, that you will consider sharing this as well. If you're listening to this and you have a question, you'd like to message me, I, I would, I would, I would love for you to reach out to me. You can find me on social media and other places, Aaron J. Dodson. And um, send me your questions. I'd like to hear. God bless, and we'll catch you next time.